just got back from the Magic 30. Uh, this is the second part of a two-part series discussing all the different 30 anniversary products that released within the last two weeks. That is Magic 30 Packs. That is the Magic 30 Secret Layer, which we covered in the last video. Link below, link here, if that's a thing YouTube can still do. Uh, I don't think it is. There's a link below. Uh, and uh, and the link in the first comment. The first comment, it's a link to that video. And uh, But today we're going to be talking about our experience at Magic 30. Before we do that, make sure that like and subscribe button because we get we that's what that's how we eat food actually every like and subscribe sends me and ben a saltine cracker and that is the extent of our diet um we're not you like and subscribe i get a piece of prosciutto here this is this is just from your liking well, and subscribing that's yeah, yeah, that, that was that was i sacrificed my cracker today so that ben gets get some protein he's going to sacrifice his cracker tomorrow so that i can get uh, a lemon to prevent scurvy um <laughs> and, and that's 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 how we survive. Um, also, make sure uh, to check out our uh, Patreon where you can get a really cool Alter Sleeve for this month. That is one of our sponsors. If you go to altersleeve.com and use the code DMMCAST when you check out, we get we get benefited. They love us. But also, if you're a Patreon for a $5 level or above, you get a free Alter Sleeve once a month. Um, it looks uh, like this. It's cool. It's Star Wars themes. It's for Lightning Bolt. It's the best, you know, modern, most iconic card. Uh, and... Uh, last but not least, um, make sure to check out TCG Player. There's a link below. Hit that up, and they will benefit us. Um, all right. Magic 30, the event. We both went. For those who don't know what it was, Ben, what was the Magic 30 event? Magic 30 is the beginning of a 30th anniversary kickoff of Magic the Gathering. It's a return to Las Vegas, as we have been doing basically almost every year other than pandemic for the last seven years. Um, it was a major event featuring with the world championships featuring a gigantic modern tournament that resulted in the winners playing in a beta draft. It had every throwback draft format on demand you could possibly imagine. Um, it also had game nights live, a cosplay contest, all the dealers and crazy sets built in the style of the planeswalkers who were hired as, as essentially cosplayers to inhabit those sets. You could play games inside those sets and hang out with them. Um, all of that. And it was in a convention center and 10,000 people showed up. It was wild. It was a magic convention very much in the way that over the years, you and I have talked about on here many times that we thought magic needed to start to really invest in making these conventions more than tournaments. And this, this felt like that to me. Yeah, I want I kind of want to like that's kind of one of the first things I want to talk to. We've been a proponent for years on events, Grand Prix, Magic Fests, moving more and more towards a convention style experience. Now, there are lessons learned from this event that I'm excited to talk about, but I do think like having having a badge entry fee offers a lot. Something that people don't know, I think, before um this event happened when it was the old channel fireball or the grand prix system before that is that they were barely functioning from a profitability perspective from a sustainability perspective right well, they existed due to wizards marketing budget being pumped into it channel fireball was literally you know dealing with a artist protest because artists were no longer or a section of really famous artists were no longer willing to go to these events without getting paid there wasn't money to be able to pay them most content creators that were going were either going for free or were going being paid with magic product that they were being given um before channel fireball even took it over the judge program sued wizards and, and that whole process is what eventually led to the current judge academy just due to the legality of all the work that judges were doing to make these events run which is absolutely needed and for a long time was just purely volunteer work like these were non-sustaining events add that to a layer of most events weren't able to be very sustaining of all the cool features you were able to get from panels to cool experiences reasons for people to go to these events that weren't just playing in the tournament were really hard to afford unless it was one of the two big events each year vegas or seattle then you add a layer of security and safety and stuff that comes with that anyone can walk into one of these events that's uh, a relatively unsecured location which has sadly in the united states been more and more of a lesson of something that should be worked to prevent due to dangerous reasons so historically we've been pretty big proponents of there should be paid badges to go to these things command fest were the first time they ever attempted this uh i was at command fest dc uh, as one of the first three pilot program versions of this um, and then they did a 15 run command fest run earlier this year with a bunch of different classic magic tournament organizers across the country. Some were really successful. Some were less successful. It was probably a great learning lesson. And then once Wizards was able to kind of get under the like 
under the COVID guys, right? As early as February, COVID was canceling major events in the United States. New York Toy Fair, an institution, was not only canceled for the second time that it was planned last minute in February, but that has now been officially moved to October due to having an event that close to December being a little scary from a COVID infection perspective. And so, you know, Wizards, as soon as they realized they wanted to do something for their 30th anniversary, planned something last minute to be in Vegas. And we'll get into that because I, I have a three-step program on what all of the flaws of this show and they all fall into one of those buckets and that's one of them they put this event together um and it costs money to enter and, and i think this is a benefit i don't i think me and ben kind of agree on this i do think that's one of the big barriers for people going against this where they're used to the magic fest experience right where it's a tournament that's funding uh some side stuff that you can do at that tournament right it's a central focus is this big competitive event and then there might be some other stuff to do there because there's a convention hall that's available why not have other stuff to do this was not that this was a bunch of this was a con that had some competitive content available that was definitively not the focus i would say that and i think you have a pretty specific list that we'll get to momentarily but I would say almost all of the problems with this event, the things that actually to me were the, the biggest, um, you know, stumbling blocks were logistic organizational things. Like they were things that feel like they are pretty easily remedied in the future. Um, systematically, it's a pretty functionally sound event. Like it, it did most things right. I think it represents a lot of what magic has become. In the previous episode, we talked about a little bit how, Magic's just different than it used to be. It's not the game doesn't function the same way. The community doesn't function the same way. The audience doesn't function the same way that it used to. And I think that this event really represents that. If if you put yourself in the shoes of the organizers and of Wizards, you think, okay, well, our most popular format is Commander. And every single LGS owner in the country, in the world, will tell you that the biggest problem with having Commander Nights is that players show up. And unless they buy singles or we make them pay to play in a league, they just sit at tables and play commander. There's, there's, if, if we don't make them pay in some way, they will play with their friends and we're providing a space for them to play, which is what you would want to do. You want to show up with your friends and hang out. Those LGS owners, many of them have impl implemented, you know, commander leagues or a minimum you have to buy a card or something. If you take that concept and you apply it to a much larger event like this, knowing that, okay, the vast majority of players showing up are going to want to play commander with their friends. How do we make it so that they can do that and also fund the experience, which is where a higher buy-in becomes necessary. You have to do that. The people who are going to play in a competitive tournament are going to pay money for that tournament anyway. They always have. That's been, that's, that's, I've played, paid money for PTQs and GPs my whole life. But if the primary focus format doesn't cost money to play because you bring your own cards, then you have to get creative and figure out what's the value you can offer those people if you're going to make them pay something. I don't. And that's but, where that's 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 kind of what the idea behind a commander fest was, and and this was a. I think this is a response to that, and something that is important to bring up is that they've officially changed the name. This was called the Magic Thirty event. Moving forward, these are going to be called Magic Cons. So Magic Con Philly is the next one at the end of February. And some of this is a re reaction to what you're describing for a command fest, which was like, okay, we want to create a commander focused event. That's just commander. What does that look like? It's exactly what a magic fest is without any of the tournament play on the side. It's just commander. And I think that was a different version of a mistake, right? The, the react, the fact that you weren't allowed to run a standard one K or a modern GP or a, like basically even draft formats outside of literally the, um, the commander focused draft format that is the 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 Dungeons and Dragons set, Baldur's Gate, was a mistake, right? This kind of swung in the other way, which it made the commander stuff a premium thing, which we'll get into. But I basically I basically have and we can talk we can talk about flaws because before we get to talk about flaws, I do want to talk about just like one thing. This event was amazing. I want to start there because I think a lot of the like online discourse was a bunch of people that weren't at the event talking about how all of the photos that they were seeing, which is just the small amount of complaints we'll get to, were like great signs and how terrible this event was. But I, I posted a big Twitter thread. We can link below for everyone who was able to go to this event that had never been to a Magic event before. And almost entirely, the thread was filled with positivity. The amount of people that I talked to while I was at the event that were having a good time was extremely high. There were flaws, and we'll get to that. But the overall experience was amazing. And if they can recreate that consistently, I'm extremely excited for these events in the future. 
this was the most fun magic event I've ever been to. It was through and through the culmination of everything that has happened over now the last really 10 years, but specifically five years in, in the community development and the way things exist now. And I think, Alex, to uh, just build on your point there so we can get into all the good things that happened. When I talked about Wizards looking for a way to provide value for the buy-in for a you know, commander-focused event, I think it's that if they were going to provide value enough to justify a high ticket price, it was going to have to go far beyond commander. And I think that's what this event is, right? That's why that's the point. I think the failure of the command fest concept was that it wasn't offering enough beyond getting together in a large hall to play commander with your friends. I think it was, that's got to be a feature of the convention. It can't be what you're paying for. So I think if you're going to ask people to pay that money, you have to do what we experienced here. And I think that's what's to me, so much of the win of this event is them acknowledging hey, we need to make sure you have space to play your favorite format. We also need to have all the dealers under the sun for you to buy your favorite cards. And if you want to play in different events, they'll be available. And if you want to play in a competitive level event, available. Your favorite content creators and cosplayers, they'll be there. Like, they, I really think that they... We'll talk about the failures, but the, the successes to me are just that if I show up to this, it's like just a smorgasbord of everything I could want out of Magic. I got so much out of this event in that sense. Like... It felt very exciting in a way that I've never seen Magic do it before. Yeah, and and like and and to kind of give an idea of what was there, each mana color, blue, red, white, had a separate Planeswalker focused environment that you could play in to play Commander in. There was a cosplayer there featuring the main character centered around that color, and in the Innistrad Forest there was Garrick, and the Dominaria uh, blue artificer area there was teferi's library there was a uh an innistrad liliana's kind of like uh a cavern there was uh, a kaladesh science lab focused around chandra you know there there was all of these there was a a, a new capenna uh halo bar centered around uh, elsbeth and you know these were these amazing installations there was card artists there was retailer locations there was a massive what felt like twenty thousand square foot um, seating area to watch live panels, including a two different live six hours total worth of game nights that was done, panels with the RC, panels with the design team, a uh, showing off of what Dominator's Brother War kickoff party. There was a play area, there was a command zone. We'll get into those in a second because I do think that's two of the places where there were flaws. There was a side outdoor area to play games, there was a secondary building, and that you can go play on the 14th floor. And that's where they did meet and greets with with, with the different featured guests that they had, etc. Um, they had the weather light just in the middle of the entire in, in the entire show. It was so cool, yeah. Now, my three buckets of failures. Because <laughs> I want to start there. That that is amazing. And and there's probably and and basically every complaint I have falls into one of these three things. And we'll get into a bunch of them. And and solutions falls into them as well. So so the first the first bucket is there is a generational loss of knowledge on how to do this. Because during COVID, not only did people pass away, but also people just got new jobs. People moved on to careers. When all of these kind of convention organizations had to close down shop for two years straight, there's just a lot of people that had to get new jobs during that time that previously didn't have that that knew just basic stuff, right? Knew that like, oh, we should have the lines set out this way so that it doesn't get crowded oh, we should, for the tournament organizing, we should have six signs that had the bulletin of your pair slippings on with this number of uh, uh, attendees in the tournaments, not three. There, you know, we, the way we have, you know, since COVID has happened and ended, DCI numbers have gone away. So there was a lot of organizational tournament features built around DCI numbers existing. And so, like, there's all these small things that, like, just, the staff that used to work at Wizards at pastimes in the judging community that used to do this just are no longer around. And those rusts and even the ones that were around, there's stuff that like if you were to ask me to go do something that was my job three years ago again, I would miss stuff the first time I had to do it. I would for if we, me and Ben had to record live in person, I would maybe forget to put the card in the right thing or to do the mic check. Or I would think like, oh, it's just going to record both audio and video and sync it for me. I don't have to like clap at the beginning of it, right? There's like those things that you forget because you just haven't done it in a long time. When I got on my first airplane after COVID, I forgot that I needed 
I like had it renewed my TSA pre-check. It was a thing that expired, but I forgot about it. So that's my number one, right? That's that's one is that just like generational law knowledge has been lost and stuff is rusty. Because number two is this was a last minute event, right? Like like as I said earlier, as of February, major events in the country were being canceled. Wizards of the Coast isn't a company that was making their money on events. It's not like Gen Con, which had to force an event last year to happen. Otherwise, they would have just disappeared as a company. Wizards could have waited forever to never do events again to make money off of their brand but they waited until the world kind of proved we're doing this and then they're like okay we want to do a magic 30 kickoff event because that's what our entire next year is going to be about we want to do it in las vegas because that's the best that's our main city that's where our biggest events happen every year what what weekend and venue is available (laughs) and literally the only one was this weird venue that was like 20 blocks outside of old Vegas in this weird office building area in the world expo center, which I am assuming is mostly used for trade shows for like business sales on Halloween weekend. <laughs> and there is so many issues that I have with this event that all fall under that problem. <laughs> and, sure, then, yeah, yeah. and then the third one is dumb mistakes. The command zone, which we'll talk about, falls under dumb mistakes the gift bags that every person who attended the event that got a badge that had like promo cards in it and how that was handled was dumb mistakes that stuff we'll also get into and that's wizard that's on wizards right mind you all three of these things are things that wizards has actively said we plan on fixing right the and i think they account for in my opinion 10 percent, maybe 20 at the most but like that third one in terms of what that third option no no the whole thing everything you just mentioned when I think about my experience this weekend, I think about everything that was right and wrong. Maybe it's an 80-20, but in terms of my like walk away, like how good I feel about this weekend and how like positive and excited I am, it feels like maybe 20 at the most, but just like that the stuff you mentioned was inconveniences for the most part. It was like it was like it was like stu- stupid or annoying, but not like my weekend was even remotely ruined or negatively affected. Sure. Was like, I, I, do, is- I do want to have some sympathy though, right? Cause like you and me are specifically, I don't, I don't know if the word is privileged, but lucky in the sense that we are content creators sure. in the community have been doing it for 10 years, are friends with people that are massive content creators in this community. My, my goal in going to a magic event is to not play magic really. Right. Like if I, I played right, four right, commander right. games total this entire weekend, you, mm-hmm. I, I slept through the one chaos draft I wanted to do. <laughs> uh, my goal is to meet as many people that listen to this podcast as possible. As many people that watch me on TikTok, as many friends in the community that are also creating content. I made a bunch of TikToks, right? Like that's, that's more my goal at this event. And I have an amazing time doing that. That's not everyone's goal, right? A lot of people want to just jam games, yeah. run in tournaments, go play commander in the command zone. And there were like the, the there were negatives. I think did inhibit those people. I think ten percent low when considering that. Yes, we had a great time, but w- w- I, I want to speak that I understand that my interest in what this event needs to be is not the same as every other person. And I'm trying to speak from a a, a point of like on both sides, right? I, I think that- I think it's a, I think it's an empathetic attitude to have, given the fact that when we started this podcast, we were 100 percent in the same position of the people you're talking about. We just were going through GPs and, and PTQs, and we were totally waiting in line and doing all of the things that you do and getting screwed when things fill up and like that. And that's what happens. If you have 10,000 people show up, that's going to happen to a certain number of people. And I do have empathy for that. I think we, I think your points sound. So maybe, so maybe it's more than 10. My experience was maybe affected by 10 and maybe that's re- in reality, it's maybe 20 or 30% um, of, of the real effect is like that stuff made people wait an hour in the sun to get health checked or that effect made people get, boxed out of an event because it sold out or their name was was not on the list of their main event and they waited 45 minutes to fire the event and it was just like all of those things maybe affected people differently and i think i think the first big one to talk about is the command zone because i I think that is the big red pimple wart or whatever on this event's face right on twitter at least because of the pictures that were posted there was like six or eight people that posted even in the event even in the event like they 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 realized they made a mistake and cut half of the area out but there were still people outside all day luckily the weather was nice which is not normally true in las vegas people outside playing commander games throughout the entire time there wasn't a good free play area and i think part of that mistake is kind of a misunderstanding on wizard's part in communicating what the command zone's purpose is or or 
just a forget. And it's hard to tell. Was it a mistake or was it just forgetting the purpose? Because the command zone exists for a specific reason, right? That area was created because Prof, me, you, Jules Robbins, uh, who works at Wizards, Jimmy, Josh, Shivam, half of the CAG, were all at Grand Prix Los Angeles in 2019 and we're all like couldn't find a table to play commander save our lives and so half of the largest influencers at the entire event were forced to play on the floor in the LA Convention Center food court because there weren't enough tables to play on and literally by the next Grand Prix the next big one which is Magic Fest Seattle they announced the command zone and the idea behind it was Yes, we get it. Commander is now this massive piece of the format. It's the best for our content creators to kind of be in and to play it. And it creates a space where people can go play. The command zone, as far as I understand it, my experience going to it has been that like it's an area that they charge money for at various events so that you can go. Fans can go. You guys can mingle. And it's somewhat cordoned off. It's not just accessible to every person that shows up. Now, this obviously existed in a time when people didn't pay money to walk into events as much. That started later. But the fact that trying to define how many people will want to be there or, or who deserve to be there because of what they paid, et cetera, has been nebulous. And I think it has made a difficult experience that I don't know what to expect. I didn't pay for the commands on this event. I didn't buy a pass. I, I sure. borrowed passes, went in and out of it, played in the free play area, right? It wasn't exactly something that I thought was like, so worth several so, hundred dollars too. so you experienced this in the free play area because i know you did you yeah. did a chaos draft with gavin and melissa del toro and vox and voxy like relatively yeah. high profile magic content creators and got kicked out of your space within one round of the draft for sure after one round they made so, us move so the command zone wasn't created as a meet and greet with content creator celebrity area right it wasn't created to be a premium space VIP area for people to play in. I think that's what Wizards was trying to play it off here as, which is a little weird because they also invited a minimal amount of content creators. And in fact, the content creators that they did invite weren't allowed in the command zone. Jim, who was on the RC, who was there as a guest, wasn't allowed in the command zone area. Not on the yeah on the RC. He's on the RC now. <laughs> not even not even a not even a CAG member, an RC member couldn't get in the command zone. The point of the command zone was created as a area for people to purchase tables to play Commander in. Because before right. that, events were every table space in a command hall at a Grand Prix. Every table you see at a command at a, at a Grand Prix was meant for tournament space, either on fire demand or not. And so if you tried playing there, they would kick you off eventually. This is it was created because at Grand Prix LA, they, me and Shivam and Professor and Wedge and Jimmy, Josh, Jules Robbins, like people from Wizards were all eventually Tappy, Olivia, were eventually Myself. kicked out so many <laughs> times from playing at tables that we were brought out and had to play on the floor in the LA Live food court. And so the purpose of it is not is not a exclusively VIP area. It's a um we understand that tables are being paid for to be there, right? Every every table at a Magic Fest has a cost associated with that needs to pay for it. And this was a solution to pay for that area. I personally think that a problem with this, one of the reasons that this does fall onto the last minute size of the event is that space at this event was very limited. This was a very small event for what they were trying to accomplish. The gameplay area was very limited. And so there wasn't a way to expand the command zone any bigger than it started out being. They also made the mistake where they made it so that like every seat was directly associated with a badge, not officially. Like, I didn't have my name tag on a seat from having a Ruby badge, but basically if every person who bought a Ruby badge was there all at once, every single person has a guaranteed seat and table to play at. The problem is that doesn't a ever happen, right? Some people no one's I, ever going to be in there all at the I same time. Sunday, I was yeah. watching the game night show. I was whatever. The other problem, and this was a problem with the command zone, but the problem, the difference between those two problems is command zone wasn't three hundred and fifty dollars, right? It was the buy-in for that area, and the command zone didn't sell out in thirty-six hours or whatever the Ruby Pass sold out in, right? So those two limitations made it so like I couldn't. I didn't want to hang out in the command zone. The command zone sucked on day one because all of my friends, the people I want to play commander with weren't in there. And if you walked into the command zone, it was basically empty. I found, I found so, like, yeah, I, yeah, for sure. And I, I had the same experience. I played the modern event day one. 
Um, I scrubbed out, uh, interestingly enough, with Merfolk, which uh, two of the top eight decks and beta draft were Merfolk decks. So thank you, Nikachu, and for you for suggesting because it was a good deck. I just didn't play well. Um, that being said, once it was over, I went over to the command zone. And it was that image that you guys saw on Twitter of very empty. It changed drastically the next day, but it was weird for a few hours. Um, what well, you only, talked about... It only changed drastically know, like, the next day because they cut it in half. In half, exactly. And there was more space that you could, or less space, but there was sort of more space for people to play. The space was more filled because there was less of it. And then the other half was allowed to be free play space for on-demand events, but then you ran into the problem that you ran into, which you couldn't have a... I I got... The one time I played a commander game out of there, I got kicked off of my table. You did a chaos draft. You got kicked out of your table. So, okay. My question for you then is, given everything we just described... How would you rec? Because because two things. One thing you said that I think people may have heard that was very interesting is this was a an event with very limited space, but it was ten thousand people. That's tied for or or is the largest Magic the Gathering public event ever, right? I think Vegas was nine. Is what I want to say. It, three years ago, the the entry in the GP at Vegas was nine, right? Or was nine seven. The total attendees of the show was ten. Those are different numbers. Right, like sure. They're but not, it's they're it's not... close to the biggest event ever, so it's like yeah, yeah. this one is. It's it, it may be, or it's close to. So when you say space was very limited, it, this this plays back to the thing we said about magic being in a very different place than it used to be. Right, like if if ten thousand people is very limited space, that was a record breaking number back in the day. So given that's the case, all these people showing up and they have a large event space, which we haven't even talked about the sixteenth floor adjacent thing, which is a whole other disaster. How would you recommend fixing the command zone? I feel like that there's got to be a fix that makes sense with ticket price and badges and everything. How do you make it work at subsequent shows? It's a $60 entry fee and you can buy day passes. You can buy family passes. If you want it, if it needs to be 350, you get three guest badges that you can bring with you into the command zone. That was like my other solution. Like if it has to be a premium experience, but it just shouldn't have been. There should be other features to that premium experience, right? What Wizards wanted was they wanted a premium tournament badge, which was the Pearl badge, and they wanted a premium commander badge, which is what the Ruby badge is. They felt like the key piece of the Ruby badge is the command zone experience, which was a mistake. The key piece of that should have been front row passes to the um, command, like the first 20 rows for the live game nights things are designated for you. You get some guaranteed RC uh, and or CAG gameplay hour experiences or a round table where you get to be in a more private room and get to ask them questions or you know that that's this type of stuff that i think should have been more of a feature and and that's what the pearl badge had right like you got an unstable draft with mark rosewater if you had the pearl badge or, or i think it was the black lotus badge but whatever right so that's that's a the thing that i think like like i think i think the command zone should be 60 bucks and i think it should be able to be as a day patch for 50 so or or maybe 80 bucks or 100 bucks right not not that it's much more in your yeah. pass, but a little You're bit more. You, you, you get a badge and it's an add-on feature. It's a, it's a tournament purchase per day if you want to go. Yeah. You just you and, buy it on the days you want to go. You know, say, say, it's, say it's $40 a day and or it's $100 for the whole weekend, right? And that way, that way, yeah. if you're in a tournament, you don't have to get it every day. I also think it shouldn't cap. I think like if Wizards runs into a problem where the command zone is selling out, open up space for it they find more space right 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 it's not like this like this was sold out so far in advance of the event i think that's another thing we want to mention we, we didn't say it earlier but i mean this you know we, we talked about it on the show a few weeks ago a month ago but if you looked several days before the event every single pass at every single level for magic 30 other than the digital pass the virtual ticket where you would like everyone was sold out S- sunday passes were available up to the event i think I, I love I mean, maybe I missed ago, it. Maybe because um, I know I know someone was able to get a Sunday pass, but they didn't end up going because Got it, okay. the friends were specifically not there on Sunday or whatever. Um, well, if perhaps it was at the bottom of the page and there was the one option left, but I mean, it was just about completely sold out. So it's very, very, very interesting to see that an event that is this expensive that has. I mean, this is the highest upfront ticket price ever right like there, there's nothing like this that's ever happened in yeah. magic yeah and you've already said it earlier where we have magic magic con which is now the next version of this in february in philly um 
so I guess that's the question you and I were talking about this in, in, in the hotel in Vegas. Like how many of these a year do you think we can do that are at this level? How many, it, it, whether it's domestically or internationally, how many of these large scale events with a high ticket price creators and events can this can, can be supported? I think, you, I think you could do two to three domestically and you could do more internationally. Internationally is going to be harder for me to say, cause I, I don't, I don't know. I like the European hunger for this and the Japan, the Japanese or Asian Pacific hunger for this is going to be weird because um, country lines have to be crossed. And right now, like especially with China still going on a you know total zero COVID policy, it, it's hard. Um, and Japan just opening up just for tours. Europe is much more open. That That's hard for me to dictate. Uh, in the U.S., I think it's two to three. I think you could do a, a East Coast, a West Coast and a, and a, and a Midwest one. Right. You do a, one year. It's Vegas. Next year, it's L.A. Next year, it's Seattle. You do one in um, Chicago. You do one in Minneapolis and then you or in and you do like one in Florida or you do one in D.C., New York, New Jersey, Philly, etc. Sure. Um, Tri-state yeah. area is generally going to get you the largest audience. Um, I think anything more than that, I think, honestly, two is probably even more likely um, after this year is going to be interesting if that's feasible um, or how big it is. Now, that being said, I think like. I don't think this should replace like the NRG series and the SEG series and all of that, I think should come back and be their own tournament circuits. But uh, I, I guess one last thing on the command zone, because I, I do want to talk as a person who bought a Ruby badge, if they were to do the Ruby badge in the exact same way for Philly and I was going would not buy it. Yeah, right. Like my, my complaints with this event as a Ruby badge owner was that I didn't want to play in the command zone as a command zone person. And that is a mistake. And and the, and the swag and the swag they gave out. We, you and I, you know, I bought a cheaper badge, and it felt like almost like the swag that we got was, from a value perspective, almost like equal or like you Maybe like your packs you got. Were like less, you were like less stoked on your packs, kind of. Yeah, I, I think like that's the least important thing to me, to be honest. I sure. like swag is good, and it's like cool that I got stuff. But like even to the point where like I literally was like, wait, actually, Ben, can you pick this up? I forgot to get it. It wasn't high on my list. Right. Um, and that's a me thing, right? To your point, I think like if I'm buying the Ruby badge, I don't need them to be multiplayer focused packs. I want them to be good packs. I would have much rather gotten collector boosters from Dominaria than Commander yeah. Legends packs that I have three boxes in my closet of. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. And, and or, or you know, there were collector boosters for those sets, right? But um, I think that that that's less important to me than the features of the event, right? Because the the swag bag is always like likely if we went online and checked how expensive is it to buy these packs, it was the same is my guess, right? Like the, from a value yeah. perspective, it's the same. So whatever. But I do think that like. To me, it's more important. That the command zone functions that it's meant to be because we ran into the we we the the show is a big example of why the command zone existed to begin with right it didn't exist as a like premium feature it existed because if you don't have this you have people on the floor outside on cement playing commander and you have people getting kicked out of the free play area in the other room because they have to close it down early because there's not the resources to keep both venues open and that's what you don't want right the command zone isn't a feature it's a bug solver, right? It's a cog in the machine to make your event work correctly. Now that commander is the largest format that people play. Now, the other one is events. Um, and we kind of talked about a little bit um, on how like, just like the systems were really buggy. For instance, uh, you know, there was a, uh, a deal struck between the system that was pastimes and the uh, not pop shelf, uh, uh, read pop, read pop, read pop. Um, yeah. who, who was running the event where like they couldn't get the last names of everyone who was a part of the event. So oh, yeah, so I, so, so, I, so I played in the modern main event on day one, right? I played in the first one, the 2 p.m. Friday. And the way it worked was you signed up. Um, they were like, okay, so you have to register for the event in the companion app. So I, you know, loaded up, I'm there, I'm 20 minutes. I showed up an hour early, by the way, uh, which is which is rare. Most Magic players never do that for registered events. Like <laughs> we always show up like eight minutes before the event, right? And I showed up an hour early. And the health check to get in was this insane line. It was had to have been 1500 people in the blistering hot sun. No, no, like uh, dividers, no, like tape, nothing. It was like people essentially being like, walk in this zigzag line. We're going to like sort of instruct you to kind of get through this parking lot. Took like 35 minutes, right? We're sweating. We're stressed out. 
finally, I get in. I, you know, I have 22 minutes or so until the event fires. I buy my last card. I go over there. I get my deck list filled out. Pairings come out and my name's not on the list. I'm not on any of the things. So I walk up to the, the, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm not on here. And they're like, oh, well, there was like a changeover on the companion app. And I was like, well, I tried to update my app, but there's no Wi-Fi in this place. So it's been sitting here trying to download the new version of the companion app for the last 25 minutes and I can't do it. Like there has to be a way you can enter in my DCI number or like look up my name. Like I, here's my, you know, here's my QR code. Like I bought this event two months ago. Right. And it took a while. They, the event fired an hour late because there was a lot of people in a very similar situation to mine. I don't know why, but the changeover meant that the names coming from the previous database only registered the first two letters. Some people were confused. It, the whole thing was just kind of a nightmare. It was fine, but it was definitely like a, this is not the way that like competitive events are run. Like this is like, this is nuts. Like it's an hour late. We're, we're, I've been waiting an hour to start this event and that's combined with the sort of health check entry thing. That's the stuff, you know, you're talking about event entry. That's the stuff that to me is like the, just feels like it's run by people that don't know what they're doing. And I think a lot of people are left. Yeah. I think, I think that's just true. Right. Or, or like the person who knows what they're doing was in charge of the wrong thing or has moved up and wasn't looking at the bottom line that was causing it. I think it's just like, that's, that's why I was like, there's a generational knowledge loss. And I think all the tournament stuff is there. And, and, and some of it's just like legal stuff of having a new bigger company running the event that was handling all of the badges and signups and a different company that was a little bit more used to doing these types of nets and theoretically should know better, but having to deal with getting that information from a larger company, um, and, and, and some of it's the limitation of the size of the venue, right? Like, and, and the COVID policy stuff and affecting how you get people into the event. There was also a funny thing where like every night at 7 PM, everyone that was in tournaments had to leave the venue and then come back in. I didn't like, so weird. I didn't understand what that was about. I like, cause I was never a part of it cause I wasn't in tournaments, but I was always like, why, why is this happening? <laughs> um, yeah, great. but I think, I think, you know, one, one other thing, and this was one of the comments on all of the posts of people that had, this was their first event was a lot of people. I think one of the other mistakes, I think it's really cool that they offered a bunch of cool events and some of it should be pre signing up for event style things. And they all sold out before the event. I think a con like this benefits a lot more from a focus on on-demand play versus pre-ordered experiences. Um, I think when the world before, when it was Grand Prix and there were central events that you were playing and recreating that experience, that makes sense. But the point of going there was to play in the tournament, right? If I went to a Grand Prix, I was weird until Command Zones existed to not want to play in the Grand Prix and want to like hang out with people and jam games, right? And when you're in a con experience though, they've created so many cool things to do. The merch you can buy, the, the, the panels, the meet and greets, the, the, the different areas and events that you can play in, which I think they could do more in, um, that anytime you like, or like, I guess I'm locked into playing a 12 hour tournament. And I guess this entire day, if something cool happens, I'm just missing it because I'm in a tournament now. Um, uh, and especially especially with the one problem with this event leading up to it, which is that nothing of what was going on was advertised. So you didn't even know that by paying ahead of time for the really cool chaos grab bag event that was going to be an eight round event or whatever, or the modern event that you were going to miss out on game nights. Right. Like, if, yep. like you didn't know the schedule or you didn't know that there was going to be a RC panel on the next day. And that was going to be your one chance to ask Sheldon why hybrid mana still is a thing in commander. <laughs> right. I mean, I literally I, I our friends are every single person on stage for the game nights live on Friday is like that's the main people that we hung out with throughout the weekend. Right. Like the, that's who we gambled with at the party we'd karaoke with. Like those are the people that after the event I was texting was like so nice to see you. And I felt terrible. Because like, I'm so proud of Josh and Jimmy and Lady Danger. And I think they're so cool for doing that. And I was like sitting there losing playing Merfolk games. <laughs> I like had no idea that like, I was like across the hall and like, I'd be between games and run over for five minutes, you know, to see like how it was going, but I didn't get it. I didn't get to watch it. Like, I, I've been a live performer with the Schmodown stuff. Like I've done the on stage thing. It's such a rush and such a cool thing to be so proud of. I would have loved afterwards to be able to go to dinner and be like, 
you know, Jimmy, like that was the coolest thing, dude. Like I was, you know, I'm so happy for you right. guys. And I, I got to do that for the minutes I saw, but I didn't get to like really watch it, uh, you know, consume the game, I think in a way that I would have liked. And and that was a bummer that I didn't know when I bought way ahead of time. Yeah. I think there's gotta be ways to create like earnable experiences, right? Like I think like one thing we talked about today at lunch was maybe instead of, you know, you joining the moderate modern event that cues for the black lotus you know the beta draft you yeah instead are queuing for like you you just if you win x amount of modern standard or standard draft format eight man pods or or maybe they're they're you know different smaller events that are on demand throughout the day if you get enough points throughout the week you earn your spot into the top eight. And maybe those points are also spendable if you don't make it in, right? Like they're, they're, they're like worthy of prize tickets at some point to like make up for that. So it's not like a waste of time if you do some of them and then don't go to the end of it, but like kind of a miniature version of like what the GP circuit and getting pro points was to get to a pro tour. This is the mini events that then earn you into the larger one. I do think it creates like a massive grind incentive which is maybe one problem with it and figuring out what those points should be to be able to make the event um, just to make sure you, know, yeah. you cap it. But I think that's a cool solution to that. I think, and I think you can have stuff, but be more upfront with what the schedule of what's going on is. So people can maybe plan around it. But I, I do think at a con experience, it was, I was sad. Cause I like, I didn't even think about like doing any on demand because they all were sold out beforehand. Like if I wanted to play an on-demand event, I couldn't. We had to organize our own or I had to go play Commander. But there were times where I would have probably done it. I would have played a modern eight man if I like was like, oh, I can wake up tomorrow at nine and like do a modern eight man before like everyone else is like, well, everyone's busy. That's great. And then for the rest of the day, have fun. Yeah, I think I think the the whole like last minute aspect was one of the parts of this that, you know, it continues to ring ring true throughout the, the whole conversation. It was it was organized last minute. There was a lot of stuff when it comes to you know, product availability and, and so on and so forth. Uh, scheduling in terms of like when, when I had to buy my pass to play in that modern thing versus when the actual schedule for the weekend was put together and announced. Those are different things. Like it was not made readily available. I bought my pass within days of the announcement and I knew what was going to be there. I didn't know when it was all going to happen yet, but I couldn't not buy my modern buy-in for the beta draft because like that's what I wanted to try for. I really wanted to do it and I had to buy it and just assume that I was buying a time that was going to work, you know? Uh, so I think that that was very much uh, the case. I think the on-demand thing you mentioned and that system of sort of getting points is a really cool idea. My only thing there is I, I don't know if losing the sort of high-level big tournament day thing is actually good for these events. It's the one pushback I have on the current culture of Magic, which I think is overall very positive. I think the way that the community has surrounded the content creator and like public personality uh, part of it. And and like that there's a lot of those folks playing com- games of commander and meeting people. And that's so much of what the focus is, is getting to play with your friends and interact with people who you enjoy watching their content. And that's a big part of these events. Now it is the dominant part. Commander is the dominant part, but I do think the old system of like those big events being a focus, it's still important. It just has to be a secondary part. It can't be abolished in favor of, uh, something that feels kind of like low level for those tournament players, because then I think it delegitimizes Magic's, you know, real true core, which is that it's a competitive card game that is hard to be good at. You have to work hard to be good at it. And and there is an incentive to be good at it. You can win cool things. I, I thought it was a little weird that Worlds happened at this event. It was one of, the, I think, the failings was that like true, and this is weird. I'm going to say this, and I, I feel embarrassed to say this out loud, but like, I don't know who won Worlds. <laughs> I don't know most of the people who were playing in Worlds. I like know it was happening. I looked at the player list when the event started and I was like, I know a few of those players. This is cool that they're good. You know, like I've heard of them. But in the old days, I would have known every single player. I would have been watching the final game. It would have been it would have been the, the focus of the weekend for not just for me, but for everybody. It would have been the biggest thing of the weekend. World champion is going to be crowned at the end of this. They're going to win all this money. And it was like wild to me how irrelevant it felt in the context of the weekend. It felt like a tack on. Well, there's also um, it, wasn't, it wasn't set up. And this this that is a size of the venue problem. I will admit towards right where like. 
the way the menu was organized, I'm going to use my screen. This, uh, you enter here. You enter, enter in this spot. To the left is the command, is the, is the panel stage. It's about like this big. It's a big chunk. Then right past it is the merch, the like exclusive to the event merch and merch line, which was, by the way, packed 100% of the entire show. Um, yeah. You then in the center where my head is, this is where you have all of the planeswalker stations and the big weather light and where all the cosplayers are hanging out over in this corner is where the world stage was. That's where the big tournament stage was. And then in that weird section in between that and the cosplayer stages is all of the artists, which is this is a complaint I have in general, all of the artists, all of the merch, all of the like the retailer card stores, all of the things that you can spend money on in the entire booth or wait in line to do is right here in this weird corner. And then from my forehead upward was the was all of the gameplay area, which is the regular tournament section gameplay area. There was basically half the event was tables to play tournaments in cards, free play over here, right above the stages where the command zone is up until the wall until halfway through where they divided it in half. Um, and then the only bathrooms I could find are in these two corners. <laughs> yeah. Um, eat eat uh, bathrooms. <laughs> but the world section, there wasn't that what that area wasn't like here. There was a stage. And then there was seats all the way to halfway through the entire structure. Here, there was a big gameplay table stage area with computers and a live screen and people doing commentary. But there was only a big widescreen and standing space in front of it, almost the size of the room I'm in, to watch it. There wasn't like seating to watch the event. People that were commenting, there wasn't commentators to the audience. And then you were surrounded by the one place people were in line for to go see artists or buy merch or buy magic cards, like the main reason people have come to these events historically. Yeah. To meet artists and buy, buy stuff. I mean, it was like, it, it was, it was, yeah. I mean, I, I think that, uh, I think that the world's thing is a function of what you just said. It's, it was a placement thing and like a publicity thing. Like, you know, again, talking about the game night stage and how exciting that was to watch the minutes I did get to watch it. They were, they were bringing an entertainment value to magic that, has not really been seen in the past. It was really cool to see. It was incredibly exciting to watch the way that fans were cheering. It was like, this is, this is what we always imagined when it was like, how do fans watch live streaming magic? Like that's what, that's what it is. That's they were watching the entertainment that we always hoped, you know, the pro tour was going to be, and they were loving it and they were loving stupid plays. Not, not like the winner, but like, playing a rampant growth or something like they were just excited because like their favorite players were doing stuff that they liked. Right. And on the other corner was this event that didn't have, you know, 10,000 feet of seats and it was kind of covered and, and people won money, but it was to me very indicative of where magic has gone and how it's changed. I, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know if you put that world championship in a different place or as a different event, if it actually gets a lot more, pub well i well, think it's view, viewership online for that event was very good by the way just okay. as a as a as like a thing that i've learned afterwards because I, I agreed you at the time i was like who's watching this I, I think also just like they could have presented it to the people there as a thing to do better than they did right i think that was, was obviously a flaw of like where people were seated how that was done like in, in fact i think on sunday when the finals were happening they should have had a part of that day scheduled as it's on the big screen and people sit there right that you watch the finals yes. from that event um, and maybe even the finals is played on a table that the game night's table was played on and then presented from that stage. I think that would have been really cool. Yeah, I think I think that's a space issue. And, and then I, I do want to touch on the artist and thing because I think that's one of the things that this was missing. You know, if you go to VidCon or an anime convention, a lot of those is feet like the big one of the big features to go to those things is talent, right? Is is artists is cr the creators of the game is in, in magic case creators of the game is content creators above us. I mean, us would be great. I would be honored to be a part of this at summit. We are a part of it, but you know, the CAG and, and game nights, people and, and people on, on tabletop jocks, cosplayers or whatever. And they have areas where they do like meet and greets signings, all of that kind of cool stuff. And then you have artists that have their booths, like the whole things to do that you like, like and to do should have been its own bigger area and then like the yeah. places you buy magic cards from should have been its own area and then a separate area should have been designated to artists or content creators 
signings or that whole space. Now, I think that is a little bit of a limitation of the space we were in. There wasn't a lot of space, which maybe your point, world shouldn't have been there is maybe true. Though I do think one of the reasons this was paid was because they were going to have to do worlds in a venue of some sort. So they were able to freebie this event, not knowing it was going to be a massive success. Um, but like, that's the one thing I, I hope future ones do more than this one did too, right? Like my three big critiques, if I were going to ask there were three things to change, and, and, and a lot of them all come down to bigger venue. It's the command zone be an accessible feature, not a inaccessible feature, which is its purpose, right? Have it be something that people can use to be able to play commander games with commander people. If you want to create a VIP experience for that, create a section off for them that they only, that, that like the CAG is obligated to go play in or whatever. Have tournament, have on demand versus pre-order be more of how gameplay is happening. You can still have one big event that you pre-sign up for or a few big events that you pre-sign up for for cool things you have to buy into ahead of time. But I think the main focus should be on-demand eight-man pods of cool draft formats, rotisserie drafts, conspiracy drafts, get some old draft formats, bring them back, battle bond, or just standard draft, mystery booster draft, etc. That should be the main focus. That should be the majority of tables that are available is, is on-demand stuff that like, oh, I have a moment, I can do this. So I can go do the other things. And then the last one is incorporating more of the magic influencer community into the process, right? There was like nine to 12 total featured people. There was maybe another 20 to 30 content creators that were like given press or guest badges uh, after the fact. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff that these people could do. Like the command zone gets a lot more lit if you have like, like the Mag Magic the Gathering Las Vegas' big success was the command zone. That's the stark difference, right? Is the Vegas event last year that CFB did where you had like this tour de force from the CDH community with all 20 of the biggest CDH content creators all there with Rebel and playing with Power and the Spike Feeders and more all doing a ton of cool content there. You had, you know, Tappy and Olivia and Christine. You had us doing cool stuff like there's a lot of cool stuff you could do there that could be a feature of the command zone that's a part of it that's one of the reasons people want to go to these events the amount of people that are excited to see me or you walking down the street and more small fry yeah. compared to some of the people you know we're talking about and you yeah around. incorporating that more into your event and inviting them is a big a big i think success story and and, and we've talked about that we, we've, we've talked about that aspect at length already like it's it, it's one of those things where now at this point i think looking at the event after having gone it you may it makes you realize okay this was going to be arranged always as an event where the company read pop that was doing it with wizards was going to, they were going to collectively invite a small number of people. They were going to assume that people were going to show up, which they did. It sold out like crazy and that people were going to want to be there. So we flew ourselves there. We had a great time. It was awesome. So many of our other friends who were concrete creators did the same thing. And uh, I think in the future, the groundswell that could be created on social media could be much greater if there was, because I thought this was like 2000 people, right? So like the fact that it was 10,000 people and that press badges weren't given out, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have needed any swag or anything. They just were like, literally get yourself there, pay for your own hotel. You'll get no entry on anything. You'll get a press badge and you can show up. Your contract is to tweet five times about it or something. I would have been like, I'll tweet a hundred times about it. I'm Comic so excited to go to magic 30. Comic-Con does this, right? There's an application process. You yeah. go to a website, there's a creator application, you fill it out, you put in your social media accounts, your channel, your main reason you should be there, whatever, a link to your content, uh, you send it in and they go like, great, okay, here, you get, you've hit all of our qualifications, here's a badge, it's a, it's a guest badge, like it, it says it, it's a guest badge, and then you create places like you let them go in the command zone that's your freebie right is because that's I, that's i've never paid a dollar for comic-con and i were have worked as press every year in that exact capacity you, yeah, you have press or you have you have creator you have what artist or whatever so like there's there's a very easy way system that that read pop does they run comic-con <laughs> so it's not it's surprising that this wasn't something that was like an easy fix um the fact that like jim wasn't with wizards telling the command zone to let him in, wasn't able to get in. The fact that we have another friend who was invited by wizards to be there, but because the person who was supposed to manage him getting in got COVID, wasn't able to get into the event for three days. And wizards knew this and didn't have the ability to be like, here's a badge, come in. Like there's weird stuff like that. That's like, how did that happen? Um, 
So let me ask you this because we're, we're, we're going late and I yeah. think we're going to wrap up here in a second. I'd love to know, uh, give me your, give me your top three or you can go one, I'll go one memories of this weekend or the things you love doing the most, the things that were really, truly the standouts of magic 30 for you. Um, I think my number one is the event space in the sense of like all like the planeswalker areas the stage all of the cool this was a nicer feeling this is nicer feeling than any grand prix i've ever been to or magic fest or gp or star city games event or really any convention i've been to that isn't exactly comic-con and like business facing ones where the purpose is more to show off to buyers and then like like toy fair and 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 uh, right, e3 right. right like those are maybe nicer but that's that it's closer to e3 than it is to magic fest las vegas yeah i think it was i, I agree with you i thought it was absolutely incredible uh the 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 set design on the spaces was so cool it was like you know movie quality <laughs> high level tv quality at the very least but i mean like i we spent a lot of time in those spaces and like they looked amazing i mean they really looked phenomenal i was very impressed um they spent they obviously spent real money on it and i i thought that was great um i loved on friday night there they they did a big party it was a Both kind of uh, friday and saturday night yeah yeah there was there was two of them it was the same kind of party the crimson vow party it was really well designed there was you know drinks and there was uh karaoke and there was a dance floor and everything we went to the friday one which was was a little bit more like industry centric i think and it was so much fun to be there and and celebrate this big event with so many people. It was so cool to see like our our friends who are creators, but also like like wizards people that we've known for years. So many of our friends have gotten hired by wizards now. I, I had a friend of mine who just recently got a job there who I had not seen in ten years. He used to live in Seattle when I lived there, and I saw him and he was in a costume. He's like, "Hey, man!" And we like hung out all night. It was so great, and um, it was that was really great. I thought that like. A party like that um, that feels exciting and, you know, you buy a ticket for or maybe or maybe, you know, the, the organizers just kind of invite you that existing, I think, makes these events feel cool in the same way that I think some of the big exclusive parties at Comic-Con are exciting. You know, if you if you do find a way to get into the big party, it's cool. I think that was really fun and, and well, well organized. And it made me feel much better for having gone by myself, you know, paying off for my own ticket to get there. It was a cool thing. Yeah. Um, I think my, my next one is, is definitely the, just the community that was there, right? Like yeah. interacting with people that watched the show was amazing. Interacting with people that recognized me from TikTok, interacting with, you know, people that I've interacted with TikTok or online that I hadn't met in real life before. What, one of my favorites, like, uh, so when we were doing the stream every Monday, we would always raid Nessa. Uh, because she's just one of the few people that's West Coast that streams late night playing magic. And she's really and this is the first time I got to meet her. And it was really and she was dressed up. She had an amazing Sahili cosplay and she was really excited to meet us. And it was like it was that was really cool. Um, just like meeting friends online for the first time. I like the, the gathering. Yeah, part. I loved the gathering part of Magic the Gathering. I would say I liked the magic part less. Uh, mostly just I didn't. I played four total games. Um. <laughs> I agree. I did two chaos traps this weekend. Uh, one was on Saturday, one was on Sunday. One was a gift from Melissa Del Tora. She invited a group of us. Um, Gavin was in this, the first one, Voxy, me, um, Zbex was there. Uh, Hunter Pence was there. It was very cool. It was really, really, really fun. And I got destroyed. I drafted a really bad is it deck <laughs> and Melissa and I played in the first round and I, I lost 2-0 and then like the other guys weren't done yet. So she was like, you want to play one more time? And I just like lost a third time. It was like a terrible deck, but um, that was really so generous of her to invite us. And then the next day uh, I did another one with Sam Tang and, and BDM and Lady Danger it was her first uh, chaos draft ever. She had never done one before. And a big group of us. And that that one was super fun. And so it's my favorite format. I think I've, I've really learned that I love chaos drafting. I love organizing them. It makes me really happy. It's one of my favorite things to do with these events. And I, I was so happy to get to do two this weekend. And the, the people I played with too. Like BDM is a legend. He's like one of the great magic personalities that's ever lived. And he's been a friend of ours for a long time. I'd never played a game of magic with him before. And so he, you know, he beat Sam Tang and he, he had a sick is it deck, just like very good. 
and totally the deck that I would have loved to have played. And he and I met in the finals uh, and we played three games and it was so close and I just barely got him at the end. And it was just super fun afterwards to sit down with him and sort of talk through the game and like, you know, so the stakes are so low, right? We're not winning anything. There's no actual anything other than like we're playing with these old magic cards we love and that's why it was great. So uh, I love that. That was that was probably my second favorite memory. There are a lot of other stuff. Like I loved the the planeswalker things. I love the ability to film TikToks. I loved working with creators to do some cool stuff. The the game night stuff and the panels were amazing. The merch that they had was really cool. There's a lot of really really cool stuff going oh, yeah, on. The merch was the merch was so dope. Like the old school merch, like the jackets and stuff. I should have bought a jacket. Did you buy a jacket? No, I didn't get a jacket. I should have totally bought a jacket. The jackets are amazing. Um, they they sold out of my size by the time I could have gone in line, and and I guess like the last small complaint, which is that it was on Halloween weekend, like it just was really expensive to go to this event because of the last possible weekend it could have been scheduled in, and that sucks. And I'm hoping Philly kind of also helps fix that, right? Like the, I think there is a a plan to fix these things, and I'm excited to see what the next show is like. As as you know, you don't have to be in the middle of one of the most expensive cities to visit on the most ex- top four most expensive weekends to be there. And I, I think that 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 also I mean, like the last episode was very much of like how like Magic 30 is being advertised as this thing that is kind of exclusive. And I think that the exclusivity of this event is not fair towards it as it's being considered for the other two. And one of it is just an unlucky thing that just like not unlucky, but because this was planned last minute, the only weekend that was available was Vegas uh, during Halloween. And that sucks making it to get hotel rooms and the travel there more expensive than it normally would have been, especially with how last minute it was announced for the most part, other than the command zone this weekend, I think the costing for the event was mostly fair. Obviously I come from a place that I can afford something like this, but it did sell out and it sold out like this event couldn't have allowed more people into the building based on how many people had signed up to be there. So from a fire safety purpose, even if it was all free, it capped out at how many people were allowed to be in the event. Um, and I think $150 to allow for judges to be paid well. That's one thing that like from every judge I talked to, they're being very correctly compensated for the work they were doing at this event. For the cosplayers who were also for the first time ever compensated in a actual way for the work they had to put into the event and the event they were at. For the events that were hosted, for the artists to be paid to be there. Like there was the budget to do that and it was safe. There were gun de- metal detectors on the way in there. You know, I, I felt safer at this event than I probably have ever felt at any magic event before. And I think that's all really good. I think the command zone was overpriced. It shouldn't have been in the Ruby VIP tier. There needs a solution for that. I think Wizards knows that and is looking to solve that for future events. And we'll hear announcements on that before Philly. But I think overall, the experience, like having a badged but more of a con experience for a magic event is worth it was amazing and i would recommend it to anyone even if they didn't change anything about this event i would recommend people go to it and if they do the three small changes making it so that there's free to play you know free to play areas that you don't get kicked out of that even if you have to pay a little premium a increased area for buyers and artists so that lines are a little less congested and have more on demand events I, I, this would, it'd be the perfect event. I wouldn't, would never complain. I agree. I think, I think that's that. I think my comment of, I think that this, this event was 90% successful, I think is pointing to the same point you just made, which is that like, if someone asked me, it wouldn't just be like a thumbs up. It would be an overwhelming thumbs up, right? It would be like a, that was so much fun. It's worth the money. There, there might be some hiccups. Like there'll be some things that are annoying to you. We didn't even talk about the fact that like there was an entire other play area and VIP area in the 16th floor of a building that was like 200 yards away that like I didn't even know existed. Like there were things that were just like what? Like wonky stuff, but none of those things that really were like annoying affected the event in a way that made me feel like it was not amazing. They're just little, you know, hiccups and those are the things that'll get fixed. So like I agree, I would do it again in a heartbeat. I think the costing should get fixed. And I think they will fix it. I think the folks that work at Wizards are smart. I think they listen to us overall. The I think they're pretty receptive to the online discourse. And there's been a lot of it. So I would expect that at Philly, you'll see, I think you'll see me, hopefully Alex too. I would expect an even better version of this event. And in the meantime, Summit is next week. 
Uh, and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be so much fun. I can't wait. And, you know, go to Summit. Alex, yeah. I'll be there hanging out. I'll be there hanging out. I got a, I have a music set on Friday uh, for the VIP ticket holders. It'll be great. And, um, yeah, <laughs> congratulations to Wizards for doing this. It's going to be really interesting to do a comparison of the two events. Because it is interesting also that, like, the friends that I didn't see at Magic 30, a lot of them are going to Magic Summit. So I'm going gonna... right. to... And, and hopefully fans and you guys are going to be there and we're, we're excited to meet everyone and, and please, please message us if you're there or if this is coming out after summit happened, I'm glad I saw you. <laughs> um, so uh, we, we fun part of recording a two parter. So uh, we'll talk to everyone in a bit and uh, thank you. Thank you so much. As always hit that follow subscribe button. Uh, make sure to check out all of our sponsors, check out our Patreon to get the cool exclusive alter sleeve and you can go to altersleeve.com and use our code. If you are going to Magic Summit and it is not too late, use the code word KESS, K-E-S-S, to get a discount 5%, and we get benefits from that. Uh, and make sure to check out the uh, TCG Player Store. It's the best place to buy. It's where I buy Magic Cards. And if you just click on the link below, it'll like using cookies, preferably the chocolate chip variety, to remember that we sent you. <laughs> and uh, we'll get a, a benefit from that as well. Um, other than that, follow me on TikTok. Follow Ben on TikTok. Follow me on Twitter. Follow Ben on Twitter. Anything else, Ben? That's going to do it for me. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. We'll talk to you all next week. I guess. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media. Sending podcasts into the future.